with the third pick in the 2021 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback. They did the right thing. They drafted the bigger, stronger, more athletic, significantly higher upside in Trey Lance. Yeah, I'm relieved that they draft Trey Lance because none of us, at least I'll speak for myself, we couldn't wrap our minds around taking Mac Jones. Why are they doing that? It seems like a Jimmy, just cheaper and younger. It's If you break up with your long-term girlfriend, you don't find someone who's exactly the same. You're going to find yourself a freak. And I think that they did. You're saying if you're breaking up with that person, go find yourself a freak. Mm -hmm. Go find somebody that can spice it up. (laughs) And that's what they did. Fifty Shades of Trey. This might be the true love of Kyle Shanahan. They arrived at the right guy, which was Trey Lance. Competitive instincts out the wazoo. I love the player. And it's a hell of a quarterback, and this is someone that I believe in and uh, I want to go to work with. Hey, Trey Lance. What's going on? You ready to do this thing, man? Welcome, welcome to the 49ers, buddy. It's going to be Trey Lance, and we'll go into the end zone. Touchdown! San Francisco! Welcome to the Denim Dungeon, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Hustle Podcast Network. I am your host, Brian Rennick, a contributor at 49ers Web Zone, and I am joined, as always, by my fellow contributor, my co-host, but most importantly, good buddy, Timbo Sleazy. Tim, how'd your fantasy football team do this weekend? I don't, I don't want to talk about it, Brian. I, it, <laughs> very frustrated. I came out of fantasy football retirement uh, to join a, a work league just for fun. Okay, just for fun. But uh, I, I invested heavily in in some players that I figured were going to be consistent. I went with some Niners. To kind of keep the fun, um, you know, of watching watching the team, and and I got to be honest with you, my first pick, uh, Derrick Henry, my second pick uh, was, I believe, Aaron Rodgers or Calvin Ridley, but either way, that's two three, and then my fourth pick was Raheem Mostert. So my top four picks. <laughs> that's it's a rough weekend for you. <laughs> we're real garbage. Rough weekend. For um, you. I mean, I don't know what's going on with Aaron Rodgers other than he looks like, um, he looks like, you know, if you've ever been, been up in the Chico corridor, there's a, there's kind of a rough side of the freeway and he looks like he's from right there, uh, right now. He's got the slick back, greasy hair. He's kind of got the, the no shave thing going on and it looks like he hasn't focused on football in months. Well, um, he did. He did. By the way, he had a full beard on Sunday, and he shaved it since then. So obviously, he knows that the beard was the issue, and so expect big things this week. Is he single handedly trying to like ruin the Packers franchise? Like, is that was that his whole game plan? Here's here's Just- here's the thing. Here's the thing. If there was an athlete that was uh, whose petty level re- uh, reached heights l- that high. It would a hundred percent be Aaron Rodgers. So, I legitimately, I like. I don't think it's there's a non-zero chance that that might be true. It's it's a non-zero uh, chance. Anyway, it's ridiculous. 
I'm, I'm just, I'm, I'm frustrated. Uh, I'm frustrated with Aaron. I'm frustrated that, <laughs> and we'll get into this later, obviously, but, you know, Raheem the Dream, um, season-ending surgery uh, on his knee. Um, it, it, I was, I said, I'm going to bet on him in the fourth round, and I lost that bet. Um, I think, I think highly of him. I, I like the person that he is. I think he's an, a wonderful individual. Uh, I hope he's. Uh, I hope he can recover, speedy, speedy, healthy recovery, and all that. But but Raheem, you really hurt my fantasy team, man. Now I'm scrambling. Now I'm just sent scrambling, trying to find. Did you? Did I you mean, pick I got, up Mitchell? I, uh, no. Here's the. F- <laughs> I claimed him during the game. Like it happened. He went out, and I put him on waivers. And I was like, obviously, I'm going to pick him up because. And this was before any yards, before anything big happened. And he obviously goes and gains 104 yards. Uh, I wasn't first on the waiver wire. So, obviously, yeah. I know. Even with my disaster, I finished, I was fourth on the waiver wire uh, after the game. And that was with points scored. So, uh, that just lets you know that the the remainder of my team did pretty well. Um, my flex, my defense, my kicker. My wide receiver two, Amari Cooper, uh, had a huge game. So I was still in it. I, it everything was still good. Uh, but if I would have gotten any production, if I would have gotten more than 15 points combined for my top four. Yeah, that's a tough one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you know what I realized? I would... So so here's I, – I, I don't know if you mentioned it earlier, so I'll clue the, uh, I'll clue the, the, the fans, the listeners in. Tim hasn't played fantasy football in what? Six years? Six. No, so 2014. Okay, okay. So seven years. It's been, uh, or he took six seasons off. And I know I don't know if you guys noticed it earlier. He said, I I joined a work league for fun. One of the other things that, that they may not know is that Tim doesn't do anything for fun. If if there's any, if, if there is a competition involved, then it, it, it has ceased to be fun for Tim uh, unless he's winning said competition. And so all we, all I heard during what? Sunday while we're watching the game <laughs> is Tim lamenting his fantasy football team performance while we're watching the game and just continually saying things like, God, this is why I don't play fantasy or man, I can't believe I, I, I talk myself into this or whatever the case may be. So, uh, I, and I think it's personally, I think it's kind of oh. funny. It's funny because well, Brian, this is fantasy football and, and I've, I've been playing for a long time. I think I have, I think I have six teams. Um, I'm not Jason Aponte who has 61. Um, that to me, which is seems ridiculous. a bit like a problem, but Hey, to each their own. Um, the first step is admitting you have a problem, yeah, Jason. Yeah, and, and when you're you know. in a league like that, when you're in that many leagues, that means that like the players that are on your team are also guaranteed to be playing against you in one of your other leagues. And so it just becomes a, a, a real weird experience. But one of the things that I told myself going into this year, and I and I, I succeeded for the most part. I did have Raheem Mostert on one of my teams, um, and I, I lost – uh, I lost this week. I only won in one of my leagues um, and not, there's only one that's important to me because I have some money in that one. Um, I did not win. Uh, I did not win in that league. I won in a, a, just a random ESPN league, but I told myself going into this, I am not going to invest very much in 49er players because I realize as a fan, 
if you have a bunch of guys from the team that you root for on your fantasy team and your team in real life is having an off day, then then you're getting doubly screwed, right? Now you're pissed off because the team you root for is playing poorly and in turn your fantasy team is playing poorly. So I uh like I said, I had Raheem in uh in one of my leagues. Uh, I I obviously he's now on IR. I guess I can drop him because he's he's not going to come back. But uh, I will say though that I did get heavy stock in Elijah Mitchell, and of the uh, six or seven, I think it's seven. I'm in seven leagues. Of the seven, I got him in six leagues. So um, I did I did take stock in Elijah Mitchell. So um, we'll see how that goes. But. Um, let's move on well, from fantasy football into real life football. The San Francisco 49ers played the Detroit Lions on Sunday, and it was a game that seemed to be out of hand for the Lions quickly. Uh, at one point, the 49ers were up 41 to 17, and there was a little over two minutes left in the fourth quarter, and everyone had realized, hey, you know what? This game is over. And then. Tragedy struck. Jason Verrett went down with an injury. You could see it on TV. He grabbed his knee, and you could see how emotional he was immediately. And you knew, hey, this is not, this is not good. Uh, he did end up uh, in the commercial break, getting up and walking off the field, which I had uh, received a, a text from a buddy telling me that, and I was like, okay, well, that's maybe that's good news, but uh, it was not good news. Jason Verrett tore his ACL. He is out for the season. And then after two carries in the game, Raheem Mostert suffered a knee injury. I uh I, I don't know a whole lot about the injury. Um it's an, I don't think it's a very common injury. Uh he chipped some cartilage in his knee, um, which is interesting. They did not say meniscus. That's the the cartilage that we tend to uh, think of when we think of cartilage in 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 knees and and cartilage injuries, and so obviously it was somewhere else. Uh, but from what I've read, uh, one of the ways that you uh, have to fix this injury is through microfracture surgery, which I have heard a lot about, especially in the NBA, uh, and it doesn't really ever turn out that well. And so Raheem Mostert, who's 29, will be 30 next year, will be a free agent next year very well may have played his last down as a 49er. Well, what's it's really, really sad. And my heart breaks for both of those guys because, I mean, one, Jason Verrett, um, I mean, he went down on a non-contact injury, which when when you saw the replay, you immediately knew it was it was serious. And, and then coupled with the emotion that he showed, you knew it was... Uh, and, and this is something that... that uh, we were we were communicating about we were texting about and then we also like we were tweet or texting with Jason Aponte and Andrew Pasquini and we were kind of all just chatting about this injury and and I did raise the question uh, did we just witness uh, Jason Verrett's last uh, play on the football field um, for whomever right. Um, and yeah. I'm not saying that he can't come back from a, a torn ACL injury, but you have to remember that this is his third major injury, coupled with some other minor ones thrown in uh, in his NFL career. And to come back from to come back from one season-ending injury is hard. To come back from two season-ending injuries is 
uh, a huge feat. But now coming back from three, um, obviously he is going to be labeled as damaged goods, right? Like we know that teams are going to look at him um, with a microscope and they're going to analyze everything if he decides to come back and play again. Uh, they may not take a risk on him. His value went plummeting. He was he was kind of in a year where he was playing for a contract anyway. Yeah, he bet on right? himself. He bet on himself by yeah, signing a one-year deal. And unfortunately, it, it did not uh, pan out for him. And as far as Raheem Week Mostert one. goes, Gosh. I know, it's so bad. Uh, and I'll, I'll, I'm going to circle back around to something in a second, but I want to talk about Raheem. Um, it, I mean, it breaks my heart for Raheem. The guy was a journeyman. Um, I mean, like six different teams before he finally landed with the Niners and was a special teams guy and then worked his butt off to be able to get into into the running back stable and rotation and then honestly earned a spot when he's healthy. I mean, what? look at his first two carries. Uh, first two carries this year, uh, 20 yards, averaging 10 yards a clip. Obviously, he was well on his way to a 100-yard day if he doesn't get hurt. And, I mean, I watched the second tackle, um, you know, when he went up the middle and and the Lions player rolled up on his leg and then wouldn't let go. And Raheem kind of had to kick him off a little bit, and he looked frustrated. I wonder if in that extra torque and in that turn, if that's when the injury took place um, or if it happened at another time. I, I, I don't know which play it happened on, but I was concerned and I did yell at the TV uh, sitting next to you during the game to get off him uh, because he hung on to his leg and, and honestly did what seemed like either at an extra roll or a half of a roll and held on a little too long. So I thought that was um, I know they talked about biting kneecaps uh, before the game, but I didn't think I didn't they were think actually going to try yeah. and wreck knees or be um, serious about it, which I think is, is yeah, I, that to me is just not, it's not a good look for the lions. If that is really is true and what happened, but, but this game made me feel and think about how I felt after last year's second game of the year in New York against the jets, when we lost Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas um, in the same game. So if you're going to relate the, these two players uh, compared to that game where we lost two players for the season, is this a more significant loss or was last year more of a significant? So what I'm trying to say is Jason Verrett and Raheem Mostert lost for the season uh, more of a significant loss than losing Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas. Well, I, you're forgetting it was Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas, but it was also Jimmy Garoppolo. It was all three of them in that, um, well, in that Jets I, he game. Wa- I get it, he, but it wasn't completely for the season. So it what I'm trying have, to say is... I mean, it might as well have been, but yeah. I, I, I might see as well, saying. but yeah. he came back and... you Okay, so just which, yeah. which one weighs heavier? I mean, losing our it, best cornerback... Uh-huh. And our starting running back, our number one running back and our number one cornerback, or losing our our premier, our number one defensive end, pass rusher, mm-hmm. you know, potentially best in the league, mm-hmm. right? Like, you, you don't know how good he's going to be, but then losing Solomon Thomas, who was turning into an ro- okay role player, a but rotational definitely piece, a, yeah. Yeah, a rotational piece. Which, you know, one, which one was worse? I... <laughs> It's hard. It's hard because I I I I'm going to have to say Nick Bosa and I'm going to have to say because it's the way that the 49ers 
have built this uh, defense, right? They have a specific philosophy, and, and you can see it. And their philosophy is that they're going to build their defense from front to back. They are going to invest the most capital, the most money in their front seven, and they are going to fill their back end with some more kind of bargain uh players. And so you look at someone like a Jason Verrett, you know, when healthy, and, and we said this uh, when we, we were on with the sprint ride option guys, when, when healthy, Jason Verrett is a top five cornerback in this league um, or at the very least a top 10. And the reason that they're able to have him is because of his injury history. And, you know, they signed him to something like a $6 million one year deal. And again, like we said, he, he bet on himself and, the, the philosophy for the 49ers is we believe that pass rush is more important than pass defense, that our pass rush is our greatest pass defender, right? Um, we are going to get to the quarterback and the amount of time that in, in the amount of time that we're going to get to the quarterback, there's not enough time for slow developing routes and things like that. And so our corners should be able to hang for the three seconds that they have to cover before Bosa and Ford and company converge on the quarterback. And so I'll say that last year losing Bosa was a, was a more uh, devastating injury. But the thing is, is, is that that defense even without Bosa, still was a top 10 defense. I believe it was actually a top five defense. So it's, you know, I, I, I've i thought about uh, writing an article for the web zone and I kind of kicked around some ideas and I, I might still do it. But what I'm realizing now is that this, this injury to Jason Verrett really tests the 49ers uh, roster construction philosophy because they ha- now have uh, a secondary with Emmanuel Mosley, who didn't practice today again, so may not be available on Sunday. Uh, they signed Dre Kirkpatrick, who uh, was drafted by the Bengals, spent nine years with the Bengals, spent one year last year with the Cardinals, had three interceptions, which is which is nice. Um, Going to be 32 this year. Uh, they signed Josh Norman uh, prior to that Detroit Lions game. Uh, I believe he is 33. Um, and then they've got rookie Diamador Lenore. They've got uh, the Barnacle, Donate Johnson, Dante Johnson. And they've got Ambry Thomas, who has really shown himself to be, I don't want to say bad because, it's, I mean, he's a rookie and and we can't really write him off, but he hasn't he hasn't been impressive and 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 is that because he took last year off maybe and he's knocking off the rust i i hope that's what it is um but that's their that's their secondary as it currently stands and you know on their their cornerback depth and so it really is going to be a test of is it is this the prudent way to build a defense uh, are are we making a mistake by not investing more in the secondary. Cause here's the thing, you know, we look at the draft, right. And, and they traded up and they, and they drafted Dre, uh, Trey Lance. That's great. But when they were sitting at 12, what were we thinking they were going to go? Well, it was either going to be a quarterback that fell or likely a, a cornerback. You know, you were looking at possibly Patrick Sertan, possibly JC Horn. Well, then in the second round, when their pick became available, 
there was Asante Samuel Jr. He was sitting there just waiting to be picked by the 49ers. And instead, they traded back with the Raiders. And then by the time they picked again, Asante Samuel was was off the board. Asante Samuel Jr. is a starter for the, I almost called him San Diego, for the Los Angeles Chargers. (laughs) He could have been on the team. Instead, they drafted Aaron Banks, who hasn't been good. To, to say the least. And then, you know, even in, in the third round, they traded up for Trey Sermon when there were still uh, cornerbacks like Paulson Adebo, who started for the the uh, New Orleans Saints this, this, uh, this past Sunday and intercepted Aaron Rodgers. And there was also Benjamin St. Juiced, who has been uh, a heck of a player so far for the Washington football team. So this philosophy that they have where it's basically like they almost ignore the secondary and think that we can just plug and play these random dudes. They're going to be put to the test now. And, and, and we're going to see whether or not they, uh, whether or not they're on the right track. Yeah. I I mean, it's definitely they're They're banking on their philosophy. You're right. And, and it will be tested. Uh, who, who's the player? I, I believe it's for the Minnesota Vikings. Cam uh, Dantzler. Rumors. Cameron Dantzler. Yeah. Which was a guy that I was hoping they, they could possibly take in the draft in 2020. And they didn't. Um, he was a cornerback, right. I believe out of and, Mississippi state. I mean, it's, I, I, he was a healthy scratch. Week Correct. one. And his coach came out. I think it was Zimmer that said, mm-hmm. uh, today, and he said, uh, "If if he wants to see the field, uh, he better be ready to play special teams." Yeah, it was so, weird. There, there were two, <laughs> there were two weird things with coaches and players uh, today. That one with Zimmer and Dancer, where it's just basically like Zimmer saying, "Like, well, he's not going to play corner, so if he wants to see the field, he better play. Uh, you know, he better play special teams." Which, you know. Th- from everything that I read, because um, I was trying to figure out, like, well, why is why is this guy even a healthy scratch, or why is he even possibly available? And it seems like in the last half of the season, last six games of the season, he was their best corner. And so I don't know if it's the same situation with Brandon Ayuk, because that's the other one, and and we'll get to that in a little bit. Um, maybe he came into camp a little too high on his horse, and Zimmer is trying to knock him down a peg. I'm not sure. But it's weird that uh, a team that doesn't have a lot of depth at corner is uh, willing to uh, have this guy be a healthy scratch when I believe he was a second or third round pick for them, and he played really well last year. Yeah, just it doesn't make sense to me. But um, I, you know, knowing John Lynch, he's going to do his uh, due diligence. He's he made the call. They they're inquiring. Who knows if they're still in talks, but, um, you know, with Mosley not practicing today, uh, the likelihood of him starting uh, this coming weekend is is dropping. It's low. It's dropping sure. by the moment. Yeah. Uh, by the day, it gets lower and lower. We may see um, Demo and we may see Norman as, a, as the starting corners for the 49ers uh, against the Philadelphia Eagles. And if... If Demo Lenore and uh, and Norman are are our starting corners, how are you feeling about that? 
I, I'm not feeling great because the two starting wide receivers for the Philadelphia Eagles are Jalen Rieger and Devontae Smith, and Rieger is 23 and Devontae Smith is 22. So, um, and they're fast. Uh, they are real fast. Yeah, they so, are burners. Yeah. And burners. so I have zero faith that, um, Zero faith that that Josh Norman can hang with those guys. So really, and we'll get in. We'll do a, a bit of a preview at the end of this for the Eagles game. But um, I'm not feeling great. Um, not great, Bob. Not great. But I I will say this though. I am incredibly impressed with Diamador Lenore and what he has been able to do as a fifth round pick. And I think one of the things that you got to look at is again Ambry Thomas incredibly talented, incredibly physically gifted. Didn't play in 2020. Diamador Lenore played for four years at Oregon. And it's obvious that he came into the league better prepared than Thomas. And I think that's why he has been able to do what he's been able to do. Um, but let's, let's, let's switch gears a little bit. I, I do want to, I do want to come back to that lion's game. Um, and I, and I want to ask you a question. I, what I want to do is, is each of us is going to pick, uh, uh, either a player or a position group on each side of the ball that we were most impressed with, uh, in this lion's game. And so I'm going to give you, uh, the, the first opportunity. Let's start on the offensive side of the ball. Who are you giving your game ball to? Hmm. So we're going position group, right? Or or player, um, either one. Well, uh, okay. Um, I mean, I want to, I want to give my game ball to the offensive line. Um, they did a, a really really nice job. Jimmy Garoppolo was, I think he was pressured two or three times uh, during the entire game. Um, I think was there one sack on Jimmy? If that, uh, no, I, I read there were two I read pressures one article the that game. there was. Two pressures. Um, so part of me wants to just go, yes, the offensive line. And and honestly, saying that out loud, like I'm like, yes, they deserve it. And watching the offensive line and, and how they block, Trent Williams was an absolute beast. Uh, there's there's clip after clip of him pancaking def- uh, you know, Detroit Lions, putting them on their back. Uh, you know, uh, Baldinger, uh, Baldy's breakdowns. He did, he did one of George Kittle. Uh, and, and one of the runs of Elijah Mitchell where George Kittle pancaked a guy. And in doing so, uh, he pancaked the guy into another Detroit Lion and knocked two people down uh, in one. So he got two pancakes on one it, block. Which it was like a, the, and the second incredible. one, it's like he did, it was like a pile driver or a spine buster. It was like a, it was a straight up a WWE move and it was amazing. Right. And, and, you know, I'm not going to necessarily highlight the fact that he did wrap an arm around the guy's back. To lift him off the ground and then drive him into the turf. Yeah, sh- we're not going to talk about that. It just looked amazing. Um, but Brunskill and McGlinchey working together to combo on that exact same play. Uh, everyone was knocking people over and knocking people down. And the offensive line performed well. And when they do that, you see how well Jimmy Garoppolo can play in this offense when he's provided time. Uh, when the receivers can can run their routes to the extent he can go through their reads, we can actually get uh, some really fantastic play action moving because everyone's selling it, the run is working, uh, and we're able to kind of counter that flow and come back and you can hit players like Debo or George Kittle 
and and they can they can get those yak yards. So I I mean I think I talked myself into giving the game ball uh, on the offensive side to the offensive line um, because I was I I went into this being like you know what Jimmy Garoppolo had a three hundred yard day his passer rating was like one twenty four um, I was you know he did everything I said he needed to do on the sprint right when we crossed over with sprint right option podcast and said he needed to he needed to check into the right place he did that he needed to um understand the flow and tempo of the game and not not necessarily be a game manager but he needed to to be the general he needed to manage each play and 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 the game like he did well doing that uh he threw the ball well moving down the field like he was accurate in 20 20 yards plus down the field uh whether debo saved him on one or not that that is uh a debate on Right. And and where and I think you tweeted it out today and you, you said, you know, where Jimmy Garoppolo was actually aiming with the football, we'll never know. But the right. fact that he claims he was throwing to the back shoulder, uh, I tweeted out right after it happened, quarterbacks on a deep ball have two options. You can either choose to drop it in the bucket where you throw it out in front and you try and land it on the outside shoulder or you kind of spin it in there and you do it quick and you try and hit the back shoulder when the defender has their back to the ball so they don't see it and only the offensive player can turn and catch it. You never see uh, both in the same. <laughs> and Jimmy Garoppolo <laughs> dropped it in the bucket on the back shoulder. And yes, there was a ton of pressure. I'm not coming down on him. Obviously, he he believed in Debo. He gave his receiver a chance to make a play, and Debo rewarded it. So, well, and that's, um, I, th- I think honestly, the, like, yeah, I was gonna say the argument. The argument I think I was, stemmed from David Lombardi said, uh, tweeted out on Sunday that Jimmy Garoppolo in his press conference uh, after the game said that he was trying to throw back shoulder, and it was a perfect throw, and we know that because we saw it. And I was like, that's really disingenuous because. It is not a perfect throw. I'm not faulting him for the throw because he was hit right as he threw. So he had no follow through, but that's fine. Like I, I appreciate that he was trying to get it out there. Like I appreciate that he was attacking downfield and I appreciate that he was trying to give Debo a chance. And ultimately Debo bailed him out because he adjusted to the ball uh, Okuda didn't and it turned into a touchdown. So ultimately the play was amazing. It was not a great ball, but that's fine. It wasn't a great ball because he got hit. It wasn't because he lacked arm talent or he lacked enough uh, oomph on the on the throw. We don't we don't know what that would have looked like if he didn't get hit. And so I don't think that we can say that he threw a bad ball. The ball was bad because he got hit, but I don't think you can evaluate him on the ball itself. And that's all I was trying to say is these these sides that are trying to be right, like either it was a perfect throw or it was a garbage throw. And I'm like, no, it wasn't either one. It was an affected throw that eventually turned into a touchdown. And let's be grateful for that. Bottom line, Jimmy Garoppolo had a, a wonderful game. He did exactly what was needed to continue to be the starter. Trey Lance came in, threw a touchdown pass. Uh, the run calls were were not great. I wasn't a huge fan of that. Uh, I don't know if they were run-only plays or if they were read option with an with the ability to, to work in a pass. Like if Trey had already kind of 
predetermined what was going to happen or if that was Shanahan's call. Either way, they didn't look good. Uh, but his 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 pass completion, his first completion, uh, was a touchdown pass, which is phenomenal. Um, and it's a great pass. I mean, Jimmy it was Garoppolo short. It wasn't everything. impressive, but it was nice. It was, it was good. I mean, it was honestly. I'm not going to give it a like a five star review. I'm going to say that's exactly where a ball needs to be in that situation, right? Like he did his job. He did his job so the receiver could do his job and get in the end zone. Exactly. But but that being said, like bottom line, um, I talked myself out of the quarterback getting the game ball and the, where it should go to the offensive lineman. So Brad, if you're listening to this. You're an offense. You get it. Offensive linemen deserve love. Game ball for me, at least, goes to the offensive line for having a phenomenal week, a phenomenal game. I I just hope, I hope, I hope, I hope they can replicate uh, that performance against a much better, a much, <laughs> much scarier defensive line from the Philadelphia Eagles. Yeah, I'm I'm gonna be honest with you. Uh after your answer, I am disappointed because I was gonna go with the offensive line because I was certain that the uh Denim Dungeon quarterback was gonna give his game ball to the 49ers quarterback, Jimmy Garoppolo. And so I think we talked about but his that's, performance. That's enough. what I do, man. I know, you switch it up. You Quarterbacks gotta things. talk about the offensive line. You I gotta like get you, you gotta give love to the big boys. The hog You gotta give love right? to them. Yes. That's what uh, Gettleman calls them in, in New York, the hog mollies. So I was going to go with the offensive line because, like you said, they did a tremendous job. They allowed two pressures all uh, all game, which is impressive. And and we always have to temper this with they played the Detroit Lions, and that defense was the 32nd ranked defense last year, and they didn't do a whole lot to uh, invest in uh, making that defense better this year. Uh, their defensive line is, is average at best, but – Still a great performance from them and uh, a great performance from Jimmy Garoppolo. Uh, I'm waffling back and forth between Debo and Elijah Mitchell, but I think I'm going to go with Elijah Mitchell just because here's a here's a rookie, a kid making his first NFL start, and he goes for over 100 and a touchdown with a long run in there. I think it was like 30 or 35 yards. Uh, and not only that, but on that run, uh, a uh, defender in the secondary comes to tackle him, grabs him around the shoulders, and he just straight shrugs him right off on his way to the end zone. And so I really I really was impressed, especially when uh, Mostert goes down, uh, uh, what, two in the first series, right? He had two carries in the first series, and then he was out. And uh, it became the Elijah Mitchell uh, show because there was only – Mitchell and Hasty left because Trey Sermon, who they traded up for in the third round, was a healthy scratch, which was a shock to me uh, to start the game. And so, um, yeah, I think uh, Elijah Mitchell. Not just to you. Not just yeah, to you. To most people. A lot of people. Yeah, to most people. Um, it, but, yeah, I think Elijah Mitchell deserves uh, deserves some kudos. And um Part of that is is picking him up in six of my fantasy leagues. So I'm going to give my game ball to Elijah Mitchell to just uh, to shake off the nerves of of being in your first NFL game to the tune of uh, over a hundred yards and a touchdown. You can't really ask more out of your uh, rookie sixth round pick. So my game ball goes to Elijah Mitchell, running back, 
Raging Cajun. Nice. So let's look at the. I, I'm uh, sure he would. Go ahead. I'm sh- hey, I'm sure there was never a point in time in his college career where he saw holes and openings like he did in the NFL. I, I think yeah. he kind of was like, oh my God. I thought goodness, the NFL was supposed is, to be harder than this. this. Is different. <laughs> Yeah, and Shanahan's like, no, no, you're you're a four three guy. Uh, we're gonna run these these outside zones, and the offensive line is going to just create avenues for you to roll down. Um, and I, one thing that I do want to highlight, yeah, uh, one thing that that has the name hasn't been said yet, but but Alex Mack, uh, the center for the Forty Nine, this Mac. new addition. He, oh my gosh, just being able to have such a an intelligent, a stable, and a, a veteran presence at the center position, uh, it it kind of changed. You you saw those are like okay, McGlinchey, Brunskill, uh, Tomlinson, and Trent Williams. Last year, we watched them throughout the year with kind of a rotating door at center, and you saw instability and you saw uh, protections being missed. And it wasn't necessarily the skill level from the players. It was the fact that they weren't a a unison. They weren't all on the same page. And with Alex Mack in, you get two pressures. You get a quarterback who can throw for 300 plus yards. You get a running back who can run for over a hundred yards. This is an offensive line I'm excited about. And, and Alex Mack may be, the old veteran, he may not be the most athletic guy on, on, on the offensive line. He may not be the strongest guy on the offensive line, but you know what? They need a leader. They need somebody with that intelligence who can, who can call out the protections, who can make sure they're all on the same page. I'm very, very pleased and excited about watching Alex Mack play center for the 49ers this season. Absolutely. I think he is uh, the key to uh, the increased performance, not only for Mike McGlinchey, but the entire line. All right. So let's look at the other side of the ball. Uh, We're going to give out our game balls. I'll let you go first again. Who gets your game ball on the defensive side? Well, um, I mean, if if it were up to me and I was the coach and I'm in the locker room, I'm, I'm tossing a game ball towards Verrett. Uh, just knowing the entire gravity of the situation, I just feel awful for him. Um, but, uh, if, if I'm looking at this as somebody who analyzes the game, um, it goes to his counterpart. Uh, it goes to the guy across the field and, uh, you know, Demo Lenore, uh, had a phenomenal game. Um, I was very, very impressed with, uh, his ability to, uh, I mean, I, I understand that the Detroit Lions did not, you know, did not trot out the the best receivers in the game. They they definitely this was a wonderful tune up game, a warm up game uh, for Lenore to be able to to see what the NFL really is like. But um, he made the most of his opportunities. I I thought that he played very well, and I think this is another fifth round steal. Uh, for John Lynch and the 49ers. Yeah, again, like I said, I think it is, uh, it, it's a testament to who Lenore is as a person and a player that, again, he, he gets taken in the fifth round, uh, not a highly touted prospect, but he comes into this team 
and you know just takes advantage of the opportunity that he's been given and I think that's the key right you know he he wasn't drafted to be a starter I think honestly he was probably drafted to be an understudy to Kwan Williams I think they I think they believe that that they had drafted a a, a slot corner uh, who could play outside in a pinch and and what we're finding is he's really good outside and um, I don't think we've really seen him in the the slot very much just because Mosley has been injured uh well first it was covid and then it was an injury for most of camp and so we really haven't seen Mosley out there and so it has been Lenore who has taken the lion's share of the reps at at outside corner opposite Jason Verrett and has really taken advantage of the opportunity and I was just really impressed with the fact that um when it came when it came time to uh when we got towards the end of the game and and the line started coming back um you know here's another thing by the way uh 49er fans on twitter who were you know crying because uh Shanahan wouldn't take his starters out um i think we forget that there's only 55 guys that uh that are starting uh on that uh on that game day and uh, three of them are specialists. So 52 dudes and half of those dudes are on offense. So it's not like this isn't college, right? You can't swap out your entire first string defense for your entire second string defense. I understand possibly getting Verrett out. He is the most important player in the secondary and he is injury prone. But, um, but with that said, once, once Verrett went down, uh, with his injury, I do think that that Shanahan's like crap. I got to start getting some guys out, and so he actually put in uh, Johnson and Ambry Thomas, and it was those two that uh, that Goff started picking on uh, when they when they made their comeback and they scored those. Uh, what was it? Fifteen? Uh, fifth? No, eighteen? What was it 16, 16, 16 points? Thank points. you. Sixteen points uh, in the what was it like last two minutes? Um, but prior to that, Lenore was targeted, I believe five times and he gave up one catch for three yards. So mm-hmm. hell of a game from Demo. Uh, again, another rookie stepping up and, and making his presence known. Uh, I'm going to go with somebody that is a little, uh, I'm not going to say unknown, but, uh, not one of the names that you hear a lot about. Uh, Aziz Alshire had a hell of a game, uh, at the weak side linebacker position, um, Greenlaw went out, uh, at some point with, uh, a, a muscle, uh, tweak. I can't remember specifically what it was. And so, uh, I think, I think it was, uh, and I think it, it's either groin or, or abductor groin and groin was what I had in my head. So I think you're right. I think it is groin. Um, and he went out early. He yeah. went out like at the beginning, like after his pick six. third. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Um, but but I was really impressed with Alshire. He was uh, all over the field, made a couple really impressive pass breakups, um, and also uh, uh, what was it? Oh, that's what it was. That that play uh, for T.J. Hawkinson, um, where he got there right when the ball did and knocked it out in in one of those uh, last uh, drives that the that the Lions had. And so um, I think Alshire had a had a heck of a game. Um, and so I'm going to give my game ball to him. Uh, and then my honorary mention would be Jimmy Ward, who had two touchdown saving tackles uh, in the uh, in the secondary when the Lions were just carving up the 49ers run defense, which is an issue that we will address here in a second. So 
Our game balls on the offensive side go to the offensive line as a whole and Elijah Mitchell. And on the defensive side of the ball, Diamador Lenore and Aziz Al Shire. And so before we you know, move it's on nice to, to see, it's nice oh. to see a fifth round pick and a sixth round pick for rookies in week one getting game balls. And Al Shire is like an undrafted that. free agent. So should the Niners just trade away all of their their first, second, third, fourth round picks because they, they apparently draft punters in the fourth round. Yeah. Um, which, you know, pisses somebody off. Um, we'll just say he lives <laughs> in New York area. Jersey. Um, but Jersey. <laughs> Jersey. But it, it just seems like the Niners seem to strike gold um, in the fifth round. Third and fifth. Yeah, it's crazy. Third and fifth. Uh, Fred Warner excited. was a third rounder. But there is there is one thing that you mentioned and and I did want to address and I just want to put this out there and I'll be brief with this but it's been bothering me since Sunday. Um, every single person that was that was bashing on the coaching staff and Shanahan for playing the starters uh, with six minutes seven minutes to go in the fourth quarter up, um, you know, and the the Lions had seventeen and the Niners had what forty one, was that the yeah, it was 41 17. Right? 41 17. And it just shows how quickly things can turn in the NFL with with such talented players. Even even the worst ranked defense and a and an offense that now has Jared Goff instead of Matt Stafford and no just dynamite um you know Pro Bowl caliber players all pro players, maybe Hawkinson at tight end, but you can see the level and the talent that is, that is that the Niners are playing against. And, and when you get something like, like a freak injury or a weird sequence of events where mentally you're taken out of the game, it, I mean, it, it almost, it almost doesn't matter what level you're playing at high school, college or, or NFL, you can see how quickly the game can turn. I mean that's one thing that that anybody that hasn't played the game they can sit on their 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 high horse and they can they can say this was a mistake um Shanahan should have benched these players no no Shanahan knows and he completely understands that an NFL team NFL caliber players they can score 16 points in 2 minutes they could have scored um 24 points in in 4 minutes of football to tie that game. The the 49ers escaped that game in the final quarter. Um they dominated three quarters. It was a stalemate for a half of a quarter and then the Lions literally uh ran over everybody on the on the 49ers and it's because mentally they were out of the game. They were thinking about Jason Verrett. They were thinking about other things, but yeah. it just shows how one bad bounce, right? How one bad break, you can get a player hurt. And then one bad bounce, the ball bouncing off of Kittle's face mask on that onside kick. He didn't do anything wrong. He did. He did. He did exactly what your coach to do. He attacked on the ball. hands team. Yeah. If you see the ball kind of coming in low, you you kind of approach it. You attack the ball like you said, and you 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 make an attempt. You don't let the ball play you. And and unfortunately, it went off his face mask. It's just one of those weird, random things. It's like the football gods just said, everything's now going to go against you. So one bounce, one step, one whatever. 
I'm just saying for all the all the fans, all the all the critics who are saying that you got to pull the starters uh, at some point. You really you're proving the fact that you've never played the game at a high level and you don't understand how quickly it can turn. That's why NFL teams keep guys in as late as they do. And you highlighted earlier the fact that they only have a limited number of players. Um, they don't have reserves and reserves and reserves that can that can step on the field. The bottom line is, I think the coaching staff handled it the right way. Those are unfortunate breaks that happen in a season. I, my heart goes out to Verrett. Uh, my heart goes out to Mostert. But Shanahan made the right call. Anyone who says different just proves to me that you really are are just a fan and you've never really been on a field in a, in a very uh, intense, competitive uh, game with players that are just phenomenal. So I, that's been on my mind since Sunday, and I had to get it out there. Absolutely. I couldn't, I couldn't agree more. So uh, before we move on and uh, take a look at the game against the Philadelphia Eagles on Sunday, let's go ahead and hear from our sponsor, El Jefe Tequila. Well, Tim, football is back, and I am pumped. Me too. I'm so excited for camp and all the position battles that come with it. Yeah, it sounds like Trey has given Jimmy some competition for the QB1 spot. You know what doesn't have any competition for the number one spot in my liquor cabinet? El Jefe Tequila. Absolutely. Whether I'm in the mood for sipping, taking shots, or making margs, El Jefe is always my choice. Kyle Shanahan picked Trey Lance to take his offense to the next level. It's time for you to pick El Jefe to do the same for your liquor collection. To purchase your very own bottle of El Jefe tequila, visit www.eljefetequila.com. That's www.eljefetequila.com. Must be 21 or older to purchase. Please drink responsibly. All right, so let's go ahead and look at the matchup this coming Sunday against the Philadelphia Eagles in Philadelphia. The Eagles are 1-0, like the San Francisco 49ers. They absolutely put it on the Atlanta Falcons last Sunday to the tune of a final score of 32-6. to uh, Jalen Hurts, the uh, second-year quarterback out of Alabama by way of Oklahoma, um, he uh, had a great game. He was uh, 27 of 35 for 264 yards, three touchdowns, and no interceptions. Uh, rookie Devontae Smith out of Alabama had six receptions for 71 yards and a touchdown. And Miles Sanders led the rushing attack with 15 carries for 74 yards. Uh, this was uh, a game that I actually thought the Falcons would win. Um, I I had a lot of uh, faith in Arthur Smith. Uh, the former Titans offensive coordinator who coordinated quite an offense in Tennessee last season. Um, and I thought with Matt Ryan, uh, Calvin Ridley, um, Kyle Pitts, and, Kyle and, Pitts. and a solid, uh, a solid uh, offensive coordinator in, in Arthur Smith, I thought that they would be able to uh, – I thought they would win or at the very least be competitive – uh, but the Eagles absolutely blew him out. And I was really, really low on the Eagles going into the season. I was really low on their head coach hire, Nick Sirianni, who was the uh, wide receivers coach in Indianapolis with uh, Frank Reich and that staff, uh, who was hired uh, by the Eagles in the offseason. Um, his introductory press press conference was 
really abysmal. I, I wanted to say embarrassing, but that's not fair because the guy's a head coach in the NFL. What does he have to be embarrassed about? But um, and then and then there was <laughs> and then during the draft, some stuff came out that like Sirianni said that one of the things they like to do with the prospects is play paper, rock, scissors to judge how competitive they are. And he got kind of got clowned for that. So uh, a game that a week ago I thought was uh, going to be easily handled by the 49ers is now a game that I'm actually not, uh, I'm a little scared about. Uh, and so we want to take a look at one matchup on, on each side of the ball, uh, that we think is going to go a long way in determining the outcome of the game. And, uh, Tim, I'm going to, I'm going to give it to you first on the offensive side of the ball. What is the matchup that you are looking at? Well, uh, it kind of seems to be the theme of of this podcast thus far is is how is the offensive line going to play? Offensive line is going to dictate whether or not the 49ers uh, are successful in both phases of their offense, running the football and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo throwing the football. Um, They are not going up against the Detroit Lions line, defensive line this week. They are going up against a... Philadelphia Eagle uh, defensive line that is uh, going to be significantly better uh, than what they saw last week. So they're going to be put to the test. Uh, for me, the key the key matchups, the key uh, basically situations that uh, as a listener you should be watching out for is can the 49ers kind of stay ahead of schedule? Um, on first down, can they find a way uh, to have a second and manageable. You don't want anything second and long. You don't want to kind of uh, key, you don't want key plays where the defensive line for the Philadelphia Eagles know it's a pass situation and they can just tee off and they can just pin their ears back and go. That is a situation where I could see Mike McGlinchey, uh, you know, kind of having one of his patented or two or three of his patented um, kind of getting put on his backside. Uh, in the pass rush. But if, if the 49ers are able to, to get four, uh, three, four yards on first down, no matter what that is, uh, then they kind of keep the defense honest. Uh, they don't know if it's going to be a run or pass. Uh, Mike McGlinchey then will have the ability. He'll have the upper advantage. Uh, and that's a huge, huge deal. So for me, Staying ahead of the sticks, making sure that they they don't get into those second and long, uh, especially third and long situations where the defense knows this is a passing down and they can pin their ears back and go get the quarterback. Um, That's a situation where I could see Jimmy Garoppolo getting in trouble, um, either making one of his his uh uh-oh throws or potentially getting in there and taking a hit that may uh, ring his bell a little bit. So 49ers offensive line. Uh, do your job. It doesn't have to be a spectacular play every time. Uh, keep keep ahead of the sticks. Make it second and manageable, third and short if we need it, um, and then Jimmy can be good on third down when needed. So that's a key matchup for me. Offensive line play. How are we going to do against a much much better defensive line from the Philadelphia Eagles? I agree. That is the matchup that I'm looking at as well. Uh, again, just trying to see if the offensive line can carry over the performance against Detroit. Uh, that cohesion that we saw that again, I think we can attribute to Alex Mack being there as the, uh, stalwart in the center. The, uh, the Eagles got three sacks against Matt Ryan and the Falcons, uh, last, uh, last game. And, uh, not only that, but, uh, 
they uh they held the uh the the Falcons to um I mean it's it's 124 yards rushing but really seven uh Corderell Patterson the wide receiver had seven carries for 54 yards which is a 7.7 yard average so we could see a, a little bit of uh some Debo uh, end arounds, uh, possibly Ayuk if, if he gets in the game. Um, I think we could see possibly some, some wide receiver, uh, rushes there, uh, because again, the Falcons seem to be able to exploit that, uh, against the Eagles last week. But Mike Davis, the running back for, uh, for the Falcons, uh, carried the ball 15 times for a total of 49 yards, which is a 3.3 yard average, which is not great. So the 49ers, they want to run the ball. That's what their identity is built on. Uh, everything that they do comes from that run game. Uh, their, their, their pass game is, is dependent upon, uh, play action and, uh, play action is dependent upon an effective run game. So, um, It'll be interesting to see uh, the the Eagles had uh, I want to say five sacks against the the 49ers last year when they played uh, and so the, they're returning a lot of those same guys. There's Josh Sweat, um, there is Fletcher Cox, uh, there's uh, um, and uh, Brandon Graham. So there are some there are some names still on that uh, Eagles uh, defensive line. So uh, my hope and and what I'm looking for is again to see that offensive line come out and and really uh, impose their will on that uh, Eagles defensive line uh, like they did against Detroit. And so now let's go to the other side of the ball, uh, 49ers defense against the Eagles offense. Tim, what is the matchup that you are looking at there? Well, uh, I think this is, there's two pieces to this uh, kind of with two different positions, but they all kind of fit in the same puzzle uh, or the same scheme for the 49ers defense. And that is, that is one uh, the pass rush uh, and the defensive line play, um, you don't want to let Hertz be comfortable in the pocket, um, but in the same breath, you can't pressure up the middle and not have outside contain and allow an athlete like Hertz to be able to get outside the pocket, throw on the run, or use his athleticism uh, on the ground to be able to advance. Um, so that is going to be a key piece. But like you had mentioned earlier in the podcast, the 49ers coverage kind of stems from the start of only giving about three seconds by that defensive line uh, with the holes in the secondary at the cornerback position. Uh, the coverage piece just from the defensive line's pressure to the cornerbacks covering with whether we have uh, our our continued success from uh, the, f- the fifth round pick, uh, Lenore, or if we're you know, implementing because Mosley didn't practice uh, today. Today is Wednesday, um, which is concerning. So we're probably going to see Norman uh, out there. And how does he perform in his first, uh, in his debut with his new team, the San Francisco 49ers? I think that is going to be a key matchup uh, to see, does Jalen Hurts get uh, time to throw? And is he able to extend plays by getting outside the pocket because we know that athletic quarterbacks uh, give the 49ers defense fits in years past. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think one of the things that Trey Lance is going to be this week is a great um, practice player for the 49ers in terms of preparing that defensive line to face Jalen Hurts, who does have some uh, unique escapability. 
to get out of the pocket and stretch the, you know, stretch the limits of the defense there. So yeah, I agree with you. Um, I think it's important that we make sure to contain uh, Jalen Hurts, that uh, the defensive ends uh, aren't uh, collapsing upfield so far that they, you know, that they leave those escape lanes for him. And I think the two players that are going to have a big impact on uh, that contain is Samson Ebukam, who uh, is one of the faster defensive end, or excuse me, one of the fastest edge players that they have. And then also D Ford, who um, looked in freaking credible uh, against the Lions. I almost gave him uh, my uh, defensive game ball because he was an absolute menace that game. Uh, I think he had five pressures total. Um, and, uh, of course the, uh, pressure that caused the interception to Drake Greenlaw that he returned for a touchdown, uh, that play was, uh, a hundred percent caused by D Ford's pressure in, in, in Goff's face. So, um, I think both those guys are gonna, uh, are, are going to have to, uh, make sure that they are a part of the solution of keeping, uh, Hertz in the pocket. And then, like you said, the the top two receiving threats for the Eagles uh, outside of of Zach Ertz are Devontae Smith and Jalen Rieger. Rieger was a rookie last year, uh, battled a lot of injuries. Devontae Smith is a rookie this year. Uh, Devontae Smith is the Heisman Trophy winner from Alabama last year. Uh, they are 22 and 23, respectively. Josh Norman is 33. Um if, if Josh Norman is having to uh, spend a lot of time defending these guys one-on-one, I don't see that being a very successful recipe. So again, they are going to have to rely on that pass rush to make sure that the uh, back end is not having to cover for more than three seconds. Because if they are, uh, the likelihood that they get burned is probably pretty high. So uh, those are the matchups that we're looking at on both sides of the ball. And before we get on out of here, we have ourselves a mailbag question. You've got mail. I like the clean version. That was good, man. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> we, we might have some disappointed fans from the past that know, uh, I know. I what, know what was there. But we are, we are a class act now, folks. We are classing it up in this We're, joint. We got to keep it above the board. That's right. Uh, okay, so Christopher from Rockland uh, wants to know what's going on with Trey Sermon, and is he going to is he going to see the field? Is he a viable uh, fantasy football option, or or is this the kind of the 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 prelude to this? This is a bust. This dude is. Mitchell Mitchell's the guy. He's he's the running back that we uh, that we drafted and we wasted a third round pick on Trey Sermon. Um, I I think it's it's hard. I think the issue is this: Trey Sermon doesn't play special teams. Both Elijah Mitchell and uh, Jamichael Hasty do, and so I think going into that Detroit Lions game, 
the fact that Sermon didn't dress had more to do with his lack of special teams uh, play than it did anything else. Because I, I do think the game plan going into Detroit was to feed Raheem Mostert a lot. And so if you, if that's the plan, then, you know, the guys that uh, you have uh, as depth pieces behind him better be able to uh, participate in special teams and Hasty and, and Mitchell do. And so um, I don't think this is uh, anything to do with Sermon being a bust or anything like that. I really do think it has to do with Right. Um, with Moster going down, they have uh, Sermon, Mitchell, and Hasty. Uh, Jeff Wilson Jr. is still on the physically unable to perform list. He'll be back, uh, I believe, after week six, so after the bye. Um, and so they did sign uh, on Johnson, former Detroit Lion, to their practice squad. And they also signed a former Raven. And his uh, name is escaping me right now, uh, but I do believe his last name is Cannon. Uh, but likely what you're going to see is the three running backs are going to be Sermon, Mitchell, and Hasty, And then obviously you've got check at fullback. So is he a viable fantasy option? That one I don't know. Uh, you know, Shanahan is all about matchups and... Um, you know, depending on the game plan, it might be, it might be a situation where, you know, Sermon does fill the Tevin Coleman role where he's, he's wearing out that defensive line with, uh, inside runs so that, uh, Mitchell and hasty, uh, can break those, uh, explosive run plays on the outside. Uh, but then again, Sermon can, uh, can run that outside zone. He's not as fast. He runs a four five. Uh, Mitchell runs a four three. So he's not a burner. But uh, but yeah, you'll definitely see him on the field. Uh, whether he is a viable fantasy option, I'm going to go ahead and suggest you do not start him this week. I think M- Mitchell is a better fantasy play. But a hundred percent, I think we're going to see Trey Sermon on the field. Well, I hope so. I really do. Uh, and there's another question, and this is from. Tim from Lincoln. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> and uh, he wants to know, Brian, have you heard about the growing feud between Chandler Jones and Kyler Murray? No, I haven't. I would love to hear about it, though. So on this was 10 hours ago on Twitter, and uh, Kyler Murray was in a press conference, and they were talk- you know, a question was asked about Chandler Jones, and he's quoted saying, he's a real unorthodox guy. He takes his shirt off and he doesn't look too good. Uh, and this was referring to Chandler Jones. And Chandler Jones quote tweeted uh, that interview piece and said, somebody tell Baby Yoda the truth about his new hairdo. Um, as we know, <laughs> Chandler Jones Baby Yoda. Has, re- I love I it. has requested a trade. Um, Are you serious? Jones, yes, he has come out and he has requested a trade at this point. So something's Did that come going out today? On. The trade uh, request? I believe I saw that this morning, yes. Because he's he's coming off a five-sack performance against the Titans. So I'm I'm hard-pressed to think the Cardinals are are wanting to to get rid of him right now. That's crazy. That's interesting. You gotta now this I, all- I love it though. I love it because this, this, anything that this- anything that 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 affects a an NFC West uh opponent, I'm all for. I'm all on board. But I mean, you never know. This just could be complete uh like a smokescreen from Chandler Jones. It it wouldn't shock me at all for this franchise to do something like this to kind of take any sort of pressure off. Like 
um, he could he could be completely messing with everybody, and they could be fine, and they could just be John back and forth at each other. He could really not have requested the trade, but they could have, you know. You never know if this is true. I could not imagine the Cardinals moving on from Chandler Jones. Well, I I do I just, know as I say I do know that that he he did uh, he did vie for a new contract in the offseason. This is his final year, and so I know that he was trying to 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 work on or get an extension out of the uh, the Cardinals this offseason, and uh, neither side really was able to make anything happen. So with that, with that background, I, I'm not surprised that he, that he requested a trade that, like I said, the question becomes, is that even a viable option for the Cardinals? I would venture to say no, but if, uh, if there continues to be a, a growing feud between him and their franchise quarterback, um, I, I guarantee they're going to pick Kyler over Chandler. That's a hundred percent true. Yeah, and I'm sure that as I dig deeper, I'm sure they're just messing around with each other, and that's fine. Um, but it's really funny to see him call him uh, Baby Yoda, and I just love that. So I guess what you're saying is when we talk about the feud, really what we're saying is... Allegedly. Yes, allegedly. <laughs> All right, so uh, that is all we have for you guys tonight. Um, we are looking forward to that Eagles game on Sunday. But before we get on out of here, Tim, uh, anything else that you have to share or want to say? Uh, this is a 49ers podcast, so I, when I do mention another team or want to talk about another team, I'm going to do it very briefly. And I just want to say that uh, the Monday night game with the Raiders, the Raiders almost had a Raider moment more than any other Raider moment I've ever seen in my entire life. Um, With basically the game almost being over with a reviewed play where they had the touchdown, everyone was on the field celebrating and then they had to come off. And then the fact that that car threw an interception, like, no, there was a, a false start, which moved them from a sure, basically a sure thing touchdown to now from the five where they have to change their play call. He throws a pick because it was tipped up in the air and the Ravens. And uh, I was like, this is, this is the most Raiderish thing I've ever seen in my entire life. Can we also talk about how perfect it was that Russell Wilson <laughs> was on the broadcast with the Mannings when Carr threw the red zone interception. <laughs> and I was like, yes, this is amazing. Did I you hear it. him say that, uh, you know, when, uh, Peyton was like, "Hey, that's a ring that I should have had," and and then he, he goes, "Yeah, Tom Brady has a ring that I should have." Ooh, I that did was, not hear that part. I love it. I love, I love it. 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 It was so great. Salty. But God, the Raiders are so like they just make some Raiderish situations happen. I, it was just, hey, they won, great, whatever. Like, but just watching the which I felt was just a. A meltdown and destruction, uh, and Chucky was just, I could see him fuming on the sideline. It was just really great to watch uh, any torture of the Raiders, even for a brief period of time. Uh, makes my heart happy. Yeah, I, although I will say, uh, impressive win for the Raiders of Las Vegas, and a, uh, a great way to christen that uh, new stadium with fans, right? They played in it last year, yes. but without fans. So that was... That was a heck of a game. Um, hard fought on both ends, but uh, 
I would have loved to see the Raiders pull out a loss in that game. Alas, <laughs> <laughs> alas, they did not. Uh, but yeah, so like I said, that's all that we have for you guys tonight. Uh, we appreciate you listening. Please don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe to the podcast. Share it with a friend, uh, even if they're not a 49er fan. Just tell them that uh, it has to do with uh, fashion or something. That's why it's called the Denim Dungeon. Uh, whatever it takes to get them to listen. <laughs> um, and and I would like to point out, they're currently trailing 7-5, to five, but the San Francisco Giants clinched a playoff spot for the first time since 2016 on Monday night when they defeated the San Diego Padres. They currently have 95 wins on the season. And it's pretty good. Not bad. Not bad. Um, They were the first team to 50, 60, 70, 80, and 90 wins in Major League Baseball. They are not a fluke. And I am so excited to have October Baseball back in San Francisco and uh, I will be buying some playoff swag. Uh, there is uh, currently a sweatshirt on the MLB shop uh, that is just waiting for me to purchase it. Um, and so I am excited. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, we, uh, we will be back after the Eagles game. Uh, but until then, go Giants and bang, bang. Niner gang. With the third pick... In the 2021 NFL Draft, the San Francisco 49ers select Trey Lance, quarterback. Oh my God, it's Trey Lance! It is Oh! oh. They did the right thing. They drafted the bigger, stronger, more athletic, significantly higher upside in Trey Lance. Yeah, I'm relieved that they draft Trey Lance because none of us, at least I'll speak for myself, we couldn't wrap our minds around taking Mac Jones. Why are they doing that? It seems like a Jimmy, just cheaper and younger. It's If you break up with your long-term girlfriend, you don't find someone who's exactly the same. You're going to find yourself a freak. And I think that they did. You're saying if you're breaking up with that person, go find yourself a freak. Mm -hmm. Go find somebody that can spice it up. (laughs) And that's what they did. Fifty Shades of Trey. This might be the true love of Kyle Shanahan. They arrived at the right guy, which was Trey Lance. Competitive instincts out the wazoo. I love the player. Man, it's a hell of a quarterback, and this is someone that I believe in and uh, I want to go to work with. Hey, Trey Lance. What's going on? You ready to do this thing, man? Welcome, welcome to the 49ers, buddy. It's going to be Trey Lance, so we'll go into the end zone. Touchdown! San Francisco!